consider God's Word. And today we're going to do that by listening to the words and also being inspired by music as the scripture comes to us in uh, word and song. So uh, let's do that together and, and uh, we pray that God will be able to work through us all through this, the spoken word and through the music.
instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Committed sin. 
uh, Bathsheba, and Uriah, and God. In 51, he's crying out. In Psalm 32, he has kind of come out of that. He's sort of realized where he's at. And he's still crying out, but he's acknowledging to the Lord in confession and repentance uh, through the Lord's truth. And that's why it's a really great psalm for us to look at this. Because David realized something very important, that he was being watched, that the Lord knew what was going on in his life. And I, you know, it's funny, when you look at TV shows or movies, you know, they always, uh, there's that, that, that creepy feeling that we get when we're being watched, right? Have you ever experienced that in real life? Like when you're somewhere, you just feel like someone's watching you. And like, we don't like it, do we? feel unease. That's why TV shows and movies always play that up. It's always a very dramatic part of, of the narrative. Because we don't like the idea of someone watching us without knowing that they're watching us. Yet that is what God does. But we should know that he's watching us. That's what he tells us. He says, I'll keep my eye upon you. Many times in the Bible, God is watching us. And so when we enter into these phases of disorientation, whether it's through our own sin or our troubles that we find in the world, I think a lot like David, we tend to bottle these things up. We tend to keep silent. He references that here in Psalm 32. He kept silent. He references the same thing in Psalm 51. That he kept silent and the result of that was that, that his bones wasted away. Another way of saying that is his conscience just ate away at his body as he kept silent. Why is it that? Why is it that we uh, default to keeping silent, to bottling things up, to sweeping things under the rug? I could go on with so many English cliches about how we just don't like to deal with the mess and the deorientation of life. If things come at us, we want to push them aside. And I, I am you know, chief sinner, and I don't like conflict, I don't like to deal with my mess or the mess that's around me, and so I try and run from it at times, I try and keep silent, I try and bottle things up, and place them on a shelf and say, well, I'll just deal with that later or never. That's not what the Lord has for us. And through this psalm, I hope that we can see that God's given us a tool the tool, I would say, to put in our tool belt for how we can move in those times of disorientation and be reoriented, reoriented back to the Lord, back into his ways for our life. And so there's a main truth that we, we really have to, to, to feel. And so you can fill this in. I left a blank little homage there to Pastor Steve. Uh, fill in the blank. We have been forgiven. And in times of disorientation, we must reconnect to the Lord. We have been forgiven. Like David was forgiven of his sin in the Bible, and Nathan comes and tells him, the Lord is not counting that sin against you. We have been forgiven. And so in our times of disorientation, we must seek after the Lord. Just reconnect to the Lord. And we do that through confession and repentance. And so we're going to take a, a deeper look at confession and repentance today um, through this psalm. 
And I think, you know, there's many ways we could do this. And the, the way I, I think would be helpful for us today to unpack that is just ask three questions of confession and repentance. Or ask the questions, you know, why do we have to? So in other words, why do we have to confess and repent? What should it look like, it being confession and repentance? What should this look like? And by what means, or what's the strength, what's the, the source that we're able to do this, which will make more sense after we look at the first point. So point number one, you know, why do we have to? Why do we have to confess? Why do we have to repent? Why can't we just deal with it on our own? I think we get a very big clue from the beginning of this psalm. If you look uh, back at your bulletin or in your Bibles, the first two verses uh, David pens of this psalm. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. And David highlights four words there uh, that I think point to the, the why. Why do we have to confess? And, and these four words point to uh, what we would typically categorize as sin, um, though he uses that specific word. There's four facets, like a diamond has many facets to it. Uh, sin, corruption, brokenness has many facets to it. And he points out four here. He points out transgression, sin, Iniquity and deceit. Transgression, sin, iniquity, and deceit. And each one of those words means something different about brokenness, about corruption. And it's important for us to understand what those are. And so in transgression, you get this idea of this rebellious self-assertion. Like we, we see what's best for our own lives and we're going we're gonna to take that. We're going to hold it. We transgress the Lord. We go against what, what he had planned for us. There's a great verse in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, the Lord is speaking to him in, in chapter 2, and, and he says, uh, My people have committed two evils against me. Two. So if, if you remember the book of Leviticus, Leviticus is a book in which God gives his people lots of statues and commands for how to be his people. There's over 600 in the Old Testament. Yet here, the Lord is saying to Jeremiah, they've committed two evils against me. It's they've forsaken me. And they've hewn their own cisterns. So of all those statutes and commandments, his people have forsaken him. They've transgressed him. They've gone against his ways. It's an active inclination for us to break stuff. And that's just at the core of who we are. Break relationships. Break um, uh, rules. Promises we make. Our own well-being at times. Is transgress the way that the Lord has designed this world to work, going against what he has set out as a path or a way for us, which leads us to the second word, sin. In the Hebrew, this word uh, means, kind of simply put, to go off the path, which indicates that there is a path. The Lord has designed a way for his people to interact with him and the world that they find themselves in. You know, when the Bible says things like, you know, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, they're not just sort of like good suggestions for life. You know, he is outlining a way in which his people should orient themselves in this world. This is how I want you to be my people. And when we sin, it's an affront to God because we go off of that path. We walk away from that orientation. We have the third word, iniquity. You know, often this has a focus on guilt. 
and liability that's incurred, you know, of the 200 times or so it appears in the Old Testament, it's different variations of guilt, iniquity, and punishment. And the last word is deceit. And most of us know full and well what deceit is. When we feel deceit or we're being deceitful, we're going against the truth that is at present. So what's the point? Why, why these four words? I mean, this is a psalm that's, that's very uplifting, that's, it's very positive, but it's focusing on confession and repentance. And we're asking why. Why do we have to confess? Well, I think David's being very clear. It's because we're broken. So we're sinful. Sin creeps into the world in various ways. And the Lord wants us to confess that to him. There's a great quote that I found this week. Our Bible scholar, he says, He who does not in confession pour out all his corruption before God. So corruption just being a great category for those four words we just talked about. He who does not in confession pour out all his corruption before God only tortures himself until he unburdens himself of his secret curse. I mean, I think that's so great. And we get that picture from David when you look in verses 3 and 4, I think the second reason for why we have to do this is we just have an inability to cover ourselves. So we're broken, we're sinful, we're corrupt. We, we recognize that. I mean, that's not news to many of you here. Maybe the depth of that might be news to you. But we also have this inability to cover ourselves in our sin, in our iniquity, in our transgressions against the Lord. And you look at verses 3 and 4 in the text, the very next verse, says, For when I kept silent, when I tried to cover up my own sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You know, David was trying to cover his own sin, to keep it away from the Lord and again, in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, when you, you see how he tried to do that, he just makes more of a mess. It doesn't work out for him. And this should be familiar to those of us that have read our Bible and certainly to the Israelites as they're getting to that portion of Scripture and listening to David here in this psalm. They're reminded of Genesis. And when Adam and Eve forsake God, when they ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat, when they went against the design of how God laid out the world, they were naked and ashamed. And what did they try and do? They tried to cover themselves. But they couldn't do that adequately. Right? That, that very first good news that we hear in the Bible in Genesis is that God covered his people. He clothed them. He covered them because he knew they could not do it. And we know we can't do it. You know, one of the great things about uh, having a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old is, is all the different games you play throughout the week. It's a lot of fun. We play soccer. We play board games. We play um, tag. We do races and time each other. And we play hide-and-seek. And hide-and-seek is a lot of fun with a three- and one-year-old because it's really easy. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, all the hiding places that they choose to go to, um, you know, quite frankly, just aren't that good uh, compared to our standards. And so when we're playing hide-and-seek with Theo, my three-year-old, not too long ago, and I was counting, and, you know, I said, ready or not, here I come. <laughs> Before I could even take two steps, he's like, I'm over here, I'm over here. <laughs> Look under the covers, Dad. 
And you come around the corner into the living room, and he's laying on the couch, and he's tried to pull a blanket over himself, but his feet are sticking out, and his hands are moving, and you know, it's basically just like, you know, I'm over here, I'm over here. And it's such a great picture of, of what we try and do when we cover ourselves. You know, we try and take a blanket and pull it over ourselves. We try and, and cover up our sin and our iniquity, our transgressions, and we think that no one can see us, yet our sin is just sticking out right and left, and it's crying out, I'm over here, I'm over here. You know, the Lord sees us. You know, the good news for you and I is that he covers us. We don't have to do that. We don't have to try and pull the blankets over our own sin and transgression. Because we can't, but the Lord does that for us. And it's an amazing promise. Because it has so many practical applications to our daily lives. Because we try and use so many different things as the proverbial blankets in our lives. We try and use work to cover up for a messy home life or messy relationships. We use online social media to cover up for the the depression and despair that we feel about everyday life. We use fake community groups, communities that don't actually build us up, that actually tear us down to make us feel loved and cared for, even though we're so isolated. We use our image, the way we look to other people as a way to, to as a, as a cover for the brokenness we experience through sin. I mean, these are all ways, we all have them, and, and we all try and cover ourselves in different ways, but what God is telling us is that I will cover you. I have covered you. Look at verse 5 of our text. David says, I acknowledged my sin to you in what? I didn't cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Oh, God is a forgiving God. That was that first part, that truth, that indicative truth that God forgives us and loves us. He has covered us, and, and we can press into Him. Right, so we ask the question you know, why do we have to confess? Why do we have to repent? Well, it's because we're broken. We're going to sin. We're going to experience troubles in this world. And we can't really deal with them ourselves. We can't cover ourselves in those things. And so we have to go to the Lord. Because that's the way that he has designed our relationship. I mean, if we keep going and you look at this psalm, I mean, it's, it's broken up in two parts. You've got the, the doctrine and the application. And in that, we see that David realizes this same truth we're talking about. i got to quit trying to do it on my own and go to the Lord. Confess to him my sin and my iniquity. Repent of them. Turn from them. And know he's going to forgive me and love me. And, and so that's what he does, and that's what we see the result of that. And so we're going to get to the second point here, you know, what should it look like, it being confession and repentance. And, and I want to spend uh, the majority of the rest of our time here because I think that there's some really practical things that, that David teaches us and the scriptures teach us about what confession is and isn't, and what repentance is and isn't. But then also, what does the result of that look like? What does the result of proper confession 
and repentance look like? Okay, so what is confession? You know, confession is an acknowledgement of sin to God. We see that, like I just said in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you. This is David in the act of confessing his sin to the Lord. I mean, this is a big part of what I think David wants to teach his people through this psalm. Because remember, this is in their, their song book, if you will, for, for God's people. They would sing it in maybe some various different ways, like we sung it earlier. So he was wanting to teach his people what it looks like to confess. And so confession is an acknowledgement of our sin. It's knowing the depth of sin that we have, and it's an acknowledging it to the Lord. Confession is not a half-hearted sorry. It's not a, I'm sorry for what I've done, or I'm sorry that I got caught doing this. Confession is not a half-hearted sorry. He even alludes to that when he talks about the part that's probably very confusing for most of us. Uh, Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will stay near you. I don't know about any of you, but I don't deal with horses or mules very often, so this I had to do a little bit of thinking about this and digging. You know, when you put a bit and a bridle in a mule or a horse, it's what leads them, right? I mean, that part I understood. But why do they have to be led? Well, because the mule or the horse, they want to they go do their own thing. And they want to go off the path, whether it's for food or maybe they're just curious. Um, they want to go off the path. And so the bit and the bridle are what pulls them back onto the path by whoever is leading them. You see, the mule or the horse, you know, they're just sorry for the action. They're just sorry for going off the path, and then you bring it back on the path, and they're going to go back off the path, and you bring it back on the path. It's going to go back off the path, and then you bring it back on the path. See, in that, we see that it's not really sorry for wanting to go get food over here. It's just sorry for being caught doing it. So David's pointing to us and to his people and he's saying, don't be like that. You know, don't just have empty confession. Don't be sorry for the consequences of sin, but not sin itself. So don't be sorry for just walking off the path, but be sorry for wanting to walk off the path. Acknowledge that to the Lord. Take it to him. Confess it to him. So confession is an acknowledgement of the depth of our sin, taking it to the Lord, and it's not just a half-hearted sorry. So what is repentance? You know, repentance is taking that acknowledgement and turning from it. Again, probably not totally new news to most of you, but I think that it's important for us to talk about what it is and isn't. And let's look at the Bible for for some of these examples. So in Ezekiel, uh, there's some really great uh, verses about what repentance looks like. We got Ezekiel 14:6 says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is God talking to Ezekiel, that thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols, and turn away from your faces, turn away your faces from all your abominations. So repenting is the act of turning away from idols, turning away from abominations or corruption, sin, things against the Lord. And again, Ezekiel, a bit later, says this, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn 
from all your transgression, lest iniquity, you know, the consequences of sin, be your ruin. So it's a turning from idols, from iniquity, or from guilt of sin. But it's not just a turning from that. I think often when we turn, when we try and cover ourselves, we, we turn from one idol to another. We turn from one thing that fills us up and gives us a half promise to another. But that's not what the Lord has for us. In his great design, he wants us to turn, and like Pastor McGee said last week, call on the name of the Lord. To call on the name of the Lord. To find the Lord. And David says thus much in his psalm. So as he gets into his application phase of the psalm, he says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when it may be found. Prayer of confession. You know, David is showing us what repentance looks like. It's, it's turning to God, offering our confession and our repentance to him. Just a quick note there on the second half of that verse. Uh, verse 6, offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. And I think this gets at the urgency of this. And the coming of the Lord again. You know, Pastor Andrew talked about this a couple weeks ago as we finished up our last sermon series, Matthew 25 and the 10 virgins. So if, you, if you're interested in, in more of that, go back. I would urge you to go back and listen to that. There is an urgency to this confessing and repenting. Okay, so that's what they look like, but what do they result in? Well, they result in blessed, blessedness. I was trying to figure out how to say this. I definitely didn't do it right. But they're, they result in a blessing, being blessed ones, and they result in this Hebrew word hesed, in this steadfast loveness. So the result is a received righteousness. As we receive righteousness from Christ, so that word blessed, esher, it's to pronounce happy, speak well of. Uh, it's to be blessed. It implies a happy state of results. So it's a complete wellness of being, profound fulfillment. You know, Proverbs talks about being blessed as turning away and turning back from the curse you know, to the promises of the Lord, to shalom, to peace, to the way that things are supposed to be. And David says, blessed are the ones who are covered. Blessed are the ones whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed are the ones with whom the Lord counts no iniquity. At the very end of the psalm, they talk about many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So the response, you know, the, the, the result of our confessing and repenting to the Lord is this complete state of well-being. It's feeling the Lord's steadfast love, a love that does not change in our lives. Being blessed by him because he does not count our iniquity for us. So when we confess and turn, that's where our salvation is. That's where we find our way. The prophet Isaiah says as much in chapter 30. Uh, he says, you know, in returning or repentance, in returning and rest is your salvation. 
So we return to the Lord. We turn from those idols, from those things in our life, the sin, the iniquity, the trouble, where we try and build ourselves up. We turn from those things and we rest. We rest in the Lord. That's where our salvation is. That's where this state of feeling steadfast love, of rejoicing, that's where it comes from. You know, so like David and Israel, we too wander off the path. That's that phase of disorientation. And through confession and repentance, may we return, be reoriented to that path. And so we're looking at and asking questions of confession and repentance. And I think in this one, you know, what should it look like? I think a great sort of analogy for it is... um, are glasses. How many of you here wear glasses or contacts? I mean, a good portion, right? A lot of the world is blind, including myself. And if I were to take my glasses off, I, it would be danger for everyone, including myself. If I were to try and walk out of here without my glasses on, I, I would probably trip, bump into, and knock over a half dozen people. If I tried to drive without my glasses on, uh, it would just not, it would not go well. And so many of you are probably like that, where if you don't have your glasses, it's dangerous. It's not the way in which you should orient yourself in the world. In the same way, the Lord's given us confession and repentance as a way to orient ourselves and reorient ourselves to his ways. It helps us see clearly the world in which we live in because it's not shoving aside sin. It's not shoving aside transgressions, but it's acknowledging them and it's taking them to him so that we can see clearly his ways in the way that he has for us. And so that last point, the last question, so we've answered why do we have to? We're so broken and we need the Lord. We need that path he's given us. What should it look like? You know, not half-hearted, I'm sorry's, not turning to other idols, but returning to the Lord. And by what means can we do this? By what means can we confess and repent? We kind of hinted at it from the beginning. There's a bit two parts here. You know, God's given us the means, the source for how we do this. And it's that the truth that we have been forgiven. That's part of it. The truth that we have been forgiven You know, God forgives. He actually forgives his people. This isn't just a concept or an idea without a reality in our life. He actually has forgiven us. He's covered us. And we see that in our text, right? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And we think about in... 2 Samuel 12, Nathan comes to David and confronts him with his sin. And David, he, he tells David, you know, you're that man. You're the, you're the man, the wayward man. And David says, oh, God, how does the Lord have mercy on me? And Nathan says, but he does. He does have mercy on you. He forgives you. That's the Addison revised version, so please don't quote that, but... If you were to read that, you realize that the, the Lord forgave David amidst his sin. And that's what leads to the psalm. And he's like, blessed are those who are forgiven. Blessed are those that turn to the Lord in their confession and their repentance. And they know that they're forgiven. And so what is the means? What is the source? 
It's knowing that our trespasses are not counted against us. 2 Corinthians 5. Knowing that the Lord holds us dear, that he will forgive us amidst all our brokenness by the cross of Christ. I mean, the greatest switcheroo that we've ever seen, right? The Lord's righteousness on the cross, our sin and iniquity switched. He takes that on so that we may be counted as righteous. Our brokenness, our deserved wrath felt and experienced by Christ so that we, we may be blessed ones who experience the steadfast love of the Lord. You know, that's our main source for repentance. So we know that God listens. We know he sees us as his beautiful children. He invites us to confess and to turn from those things because he knows what's best for his people. He knows what's best for his children. And there's one other way in this psalm that David gives us to look at this tool we've been given in confession and repentance. And it's by changing our hiding places. So we all have them. We all have hiding places. And they're insufficient. But David says in verse 7, you are a hiding place for me. And because you're a hiding place for me, you preserve me from trouble. And he doesn't just protect him from the negative things. I love this about David. But he brings the positives in too. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. God as our hiding place. And that's the best place we could hide. Not in our own identities and our own uh, work and our own tasks and our own families, but in God. This is a great quote. Uh, Old Testament scholar says, If forgiveness is good, fellowship is better. If we have experienced God's heavy hand, like David did in verse 4, we should appreciate and seek his gentler touch. And that's our invitation. Our invitation is to go here through repentance to say, Lord, what I try and do for myself is not good enough. And it never will be. You know, may I come to you as my hiding place because he will surround those who trust in him with steadfast love, as we see in verse 10. So God has given us the tool that we need to reorient ourselves in relationship with him because our natural state, our natural inclination is to keep silent, is to do what David did try and hide our sin away somewhere else. But God, knowing his people and knowing that's what we would try and do, he's given us confession and repentance to come to him. So I remembering that in Christ we've been forgiven and that we need to press into this confession and repentance. It's a part of why we moved the, the order of worship around so we felt like after we take a good hard look at confession and talk about it for half an hour, maybe it's a good idea for us to confess. Maybe it's a good idea for, to, for us to actually corporately and individually bring these things to the Lord. And so you'll see in your bulletin on the next page, we're, we're going to do just that. 
We're going to move into a time of confession because we know that God will renew us. So we all, if you've been here for a week, two weeks, or any longer, you know that after we confess and we sit in silence, we confess our sin to God, we move into a time of forgiveness. And it's that forgiveness that we're going to taste of later that propels us to not hide anything from the Lord, but to know that he is listening and that he loves us. So I'll read the the non-bold. You read the bold as we do this together, and then there'll be a time of silent confession, which I will end with a prayer. We have believed that you don't have enough grace for us, that our sin is greater than you. Forgive us, Father. We have believed that others don't deserve your grace, that we know justice better than you. Forgive us, Father. We have believed that we can run from you, that somehow we could create distance between ourselves and an omnipresent God. Forgive us, Father. We have believed that you won't do what's best, that we need to protect ourselves, sometimes in lieu of you, sometimes from you. Forgive us, Father. We have believed that you won't provide for us, and we assume the things that we care about are what we need. Forgive us, Father.